It's time for the Engaged Club, the podcast for club managers and operators that strive to create loyal and connected members, guests, and customers. Here are the two guys with the club management and digital marketing advice you need to realize your club's potential, Jim Hope and Roger Kincaid. Welcome to the Engaged Club podcast. I'm Roger Kincaid. I'm the sales and marketing guy for Off Course Golf, and you can see us online at offcourse.golf. I'm Jim Hope, and I'm the GM of the Derrick Golf and Winter Club. Hello, Mr. Kincaid. Mr. Hope. We're doing uh, Mr. Jim Hope's 12 Rules of Club Management, and we're at rules number 9 and 10. So what are we talking about on this podcast? Rule number 9, we're talking about positive challenges need trust. And rule number 10 is uh, be consistent with the rules, both with the members and with the staff. All right. Positive challenges need trust. It's interesting, Roger, in any business, and I'm sure you've seen it uh, during your work career, you know, you'll have uh, somebody who you either work with uh, or somebody who you work for who has an ability to to challenge you, to challenge some of your thoughts, to challenge some of your actions, challenge the way that you do things, challenge some of your ideas. And they're doing that to make sure that you're really you're, you're well thought out, that you've thought you thought this stuff through and that you've you're 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 um, you're solid in your reasoning for why you're doing something. And then they look, you say, yeah, run with it. Go ahead do that. Yeah. Awesome. That's great to do that. Uh, and you probably worked with people that every time you went to challenge them, they challenged you back or they took offense to the fact that you challenged them. And then you may just get a little softer with them as you go along. I don't need the hassle. Every time I challenge them on this or every time I question them on something, they question me back and I don't need that hassle. So I'm just going to leave them alone. And I think when you do that, especially if you're doing it with your team, I think you're doing them a disservice by doing that, by not either uh, uh, taking that one person aside and say, hey, listen, bud, you know, I, the reason I do this isn't because I, I want to challenge everything you do. I'm doing it because I want to make sure you really thought this through. I want to really make sure that you understand the ramifications of this decision that we're doing and what you're going to do for it and what, what the possibilities are with that. Um, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, you, you're doing this because you're doing it for all the right reasons. That's why I challenge you. But once we get through that, it, it's yours to go run with and I will not micromanage you on that. Uh, and then go back and then be able to rechallenge them again. Often, I think sometimes what we do is we we just avoid that after that because it's just too uncomfortable and you figure it just becomes a waste of energy and a waste of time. And one of the things that I found was that uh, is that you need to have trust. As long as there's trust built with you and your team, you're able to have that challenge. You'll be able to, to challenge you. You'll be able to have those difficult conversations with them, which we've talked about in a previous podcast, um, and, and be able to do it in a uh, in an informative, in a uh, natural, in a, in, a, in a neutral way that nobody takes offense to. You don't have to start every conversation with these people. Look, don't take offense by what I'm about to say. This isn't personal, what I'm going to say. You've had those people, and you probably had those conversations that you qualify every conversation by that. And it's because there isn't a trust built between you and that person that the only reason I'm doing this, the absolute bottom line why I'm doing this is because I want us to be better. I want you to be better and I want what we do to be great. And that's why I do this. And that's just it. It is nothing personal. It's only because I want to make sure that we're doing what we do. We're doing for all the right reasons and we understand what uh, the outcomes might be uh, from whatever that decision is that we're going to do. So you can have positive challenges. You just need, need to know that you have trust with each other. And one of the ways you can build that trust, especially with your team, is to make sure that everything stays internal. If I'm having a conversation with you and you work for me, I you need to know that I'm not going to take that conversation to the members. Oh, yeah, I, I talked with Roger and this is what I told him he needed to do. And let me, you know, well, you seen him doing that around the lounge or on the golf course or in the golf shop today. 
he, you need to know that that conversation is with me. That conversation isn't even related at the at the management committee meeting meetings. It's between me and you. It's not brought up with the board. It's not brought up with the executive committee. So that you know that it's it's staying internally with just the two of us. And if you do that, uh, I think you, it's easier to have those conversations because otherwise, if it goes external and, and you know that a conversation I have with you, you're going to take it to your group of influential members and say, yeah, you know what Jim's been telling me and what he wants me to do in the conversations we're having? Um, that just undermines confidence in both of us. And it's just, it's a waste of energy for both of us. So, you know, you can demand trust and you can, I mean, you have to earn it. Sorry, you have to earn it. But once you've earned it, you can demand the confidentiality of that, that that has to stay in this room, that this can't leave the room. When you do that, you'll just continue to build that trust by doing that. Um, and when you're having those, pa- those, those, those positive conversations, you and I talked about this, um, you know, look for the win-win in it. Make sure that you're looking for this. You're having this conversation, not looking for the negative out of it. You're looking to have a win out of this for both you and the person you're having the conversation with. And think positive thoughts. If you have positive thoughts when you go into the conversation, uh, you're more apt to have a positive conversation as opposed to, oh, I'm dreading this. This is going to be awful. This is going to go well. You know, you you think all of those negative thoughts, sure enough, you go into it. And the first time something that that reinforces what that negative thought was you had going into it happens, you go, yeah, just like I thought. I knew it was going to go this way. Um, As opposed to if you're thinking positive things, you'll just ignore that. Because and what you will pick up on is the positive things that happen. Yeah. You know, we'll so often go into those conversations, Jim, and we'll pantomime it ahead of time. We'll forecast it. Well, I'm going to say to Jim, you know, you got to pull up your socks. And then Jim's going to say to me, hey, quit riding me, buddy. And that's a that's a complete work of fiction. And it only exists in one place. And that's your own head. Right. And by the way, that's a bad habit. But you can alter that habit and say, you know, I'm going to go in. I'm going to say to Jim, hey, Jim. You're doing a great job at A, B, and C, and I wonder if you've thought about doing D a little bit differently. And Jim's going to say, ah, I've never thought about that. What a great idea. That's, again, a fictitious conversation that only exists in your head, but it changes your outlook on things. So then you can use that as the stepping stone to get to what's the most positive way that I can have this conversation with my team member to get to the outcome that we both should desire, which is this. Yeah, uh, Roger, I've, had, I've woken up in the middle of the night, you know, going through every scenario that could happen with a conversation I'm about to have with somebody that day and you know go to bed then you wake up at three then i wake up again at four and at five and at six and then finally say oh jesus i might as well just get out of bed now and then i get to work and the conversation is completely different than what kept me up at night yeah. now we're not i'm not the brightest person in the world and that i'm not necessarily alert from that you know I, you know two weeks later i still have that same conversation at two three and four and five in the morning i'm getting better about it because i can't I can't predict the outcome of the conversation. So what's the point of worrying about it before you have it? Exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a, a fruitless exercise. We need to just be outcome oriented and start from there. You bet. Uh, so build trust uh, and go to those uh, go to those challenges with your people expecting a win win out of it. All right. Let's get on to rule number. Oh, man, I'm losing track. Rule number 10. Rule number 10. Uh, be consistent with the rules. Um, uh, for both the members uh, and and for the staff, uh, it's it's the the club world to me is a world of gray. Uh, we we don't live in a in a world of black and white in the club world because there's so many varying uh, circumstances that can happen that you can't just silo every decision you need to make under in certain silos with a certain policy that sits at the top of that that you're going to administer for that rule or that that situation because all of them are just so different. But you do need to have some guiding principles, which are those policies. And you need to be able to know that you are consistent in the way that you administered those policies. Because 
you sure enough know that uh, what you did for Frank, Harry's going to know about when he comes and talk to you about the same thing or something different. And he's going to know that you you made a big variance for, for Frank. And why can't you make one for me as well? Uh, you need to be human about it, but you need to, you know, follow the policies. And, and you know, if you're working at a, at a governance board uh, where I'm fortunate enough to work at, where our board is, is very adamant that they develop policy, uh, they, they, they approve those policies and management implement those. They're expected and they trust, up, they trust us to implement those with a level of consistency, both from the members uh, and for ones that we do with the staff, because uh, they want to know that when they're sitting in the lounge, that uh, Harry doesn't come up and say, hey, I want to just say hey, thanks a lot. Jim didn't even enforce this. I knew this was a policy, but he just waived it for me. And then Frank comes up, uh, you know, five minutes later and says, hey, I just want to let you know that I had this issue. I know that Jim didn't didn't implement it for Harry, but he, he made it implement for me. Can you tell me why one guy, one member uh, has to follow this and the other one doesn't? So it's really important that you're consistent uh, with the rules. And I can remember when I was a young manager and I, I went from my first club to my second club, there was this 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 big uh, breath that I let out when I started at my second club because I said all of the mistakes that I had made at my first club, all of the variances to the rules that I had done for certain people because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, that those different power constituencies, should the rules should be implemented differently for each one of those. I'm starting fresh today. I'm starting with I, I have not broken a rule for anybody yet. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I really lived by it at the club. I really and I've lived by it uh, more so ever since, understanding that there's a lot of gray involved. But more often than not, um, I'm very adamant that um, I enforce the rules both for staff and for members uh, very consistently. Um, and I think everyone at the end of the day really wants you to do that. I think they understand and they respect the fact that you're being consistent. They understand it they, and they know that they're asking for a variance and, and, and they may be very passionate about their plea as to why their case is different than somebody else's and why this rule doesn't apply to them. And, and as, a, as a human, as, as somebody with a heart, um, somebody with, you know, a server's heart, you're going to look at that and go, holy crap. Oh, man. No, I know you're right. But, um, you know, I'm, I, I can absolutely understand where you're coming from and, and why, you know, this is really difficult for you. But please, you have to understand where we are as a club. You know, we've got 500 shareholders at the club and, um, you know, this is a request that we get all the time and we need to be consistent with the way that we, we manage this request because uh, if we're not, uh, here's what could happen if we don't do it consistently. And more often than not, I've had members say to me, yeah, I get it, <laughs> I thought I had to ask. Um, um, and, and I understand why you have to be consistent with it. I don't like the, the outcome, Jim, but I understand the fact that you have to do that. And and that just, again, re reinforces the fact with me that, um, uh, when you when you are consistent, people they may not like that outcome, but they're going to respect you for that. Um, and you know, one of the things you do want to understand with some of the times where you may not break a rule, but you may bend it, uh, you want to understand where that authority level lies with you with your board. Uh, often, you know, at our club, uh, we'll have the board say, "So, board meeting, look, guys, we're leaving you guys. It's your job to manage and to to." Um, uh, uh, implement these policies. And we recognize that you may implement some stronger than you may implement others, but that's, we, we charge you with doing that. That's your job. We get that. So, and we understand there might be the odd time where something may vary or you may, um, uh, you may forgive something uh, in a policy because of the fact you think it's the absolute right thing to do, but we give you the authority to go do that. I've done that at clubs and, the, and over time the boards have changed. And then I've been challenged by the board as to why I did something. 
why did you implement the policy that way when the policy is very clear and stated this way? And I said, well, over time, the boards have told me that I, you know, I have some authority to have some lenience and some variance in the way that I do that. Uh, and I've done that. And they said, no, no, the policy is written like this. This is the way you implement it. So it's not a bad idea every couple of years because your board really, in most clubs, the board does a full change every three years. So maybe every two or every three years, sit down with the board and say, listen, this is the guiding principles that we use as a management team and that I use as your general manager in the implementation of the policies that you've approved. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with that? I'm finding some gray in some of this stuff and I have to implement to the gray and not implement to the black and white. And your board may very well say to you, yeah, Jim, that's cool. We're all humans. We, you make the best decisions. You know what the best decision is. You go ahead and do that. Or the board may look and you say, no. No, 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 no. The board will implement the gray. You implement the black and white. And and that's a good conversation to have and get that clarity, uh, you know, in an upcoming year when you've got a new group on the board so that you know exactly which direction and what you should be, uh, the areas that you should be going in. Um, and uh, I leave uh, to be consistent with the rules for the staff and members to a great quote that I heard. And it is that if you want everyone to like you, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And, and, our, and our job as a club leader isn't to have everybody like us, it's to have us respect us. Uh, have a, I, I, I'd like everyone to respect me and understand that I've got a, you know, that we've got a tough job to do sometimes and we do that consistently. Yeah, very, very, very well put. So let's recap uh, rule number nine. Rule number nine is be uh, positive challenges need trust. Don't, don't shy away from them. Uh, build the trust with your team and then uh, feel comfortable in having those uh, positive challenges where there's win-wins that come out of them for everybody. And rule number 10 is be consistent with the rules for both the members and the staff. Uh, people expect it and they'll respect you for that. All right. We are through uh, 10 of Jim's 12 rules for club management. Next episode, rules 11 and 12. Thanks very much for listening. Share this podcast episode with your friends and colleagues inside the club business. And until next time, thanks for listening to the Engaged Club. This has been the Engaged Club podcast with Jim Hope and Roger Kincaid. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with your fellow club managers and operators. Until next time, thanks for listening.